Hello, Real Life family. Uh, just so excited to be able to share with you some more on our series on the book of Romans. And today we're talking about Romans chapter 6 and the new life that God has for us. This is going to be, I'm believing, for a powerful, just a powerful encounter right now with God's truth for you and for me as we look at this awesome chapter of the, of the Bible. Um, as we talk about this new life that Jesus made possible, um, Paul starts out in the first couple of verses of Romans chapter 6 talking about sin, and he's answering some questions. If grace is truly God's way of dealing uh, with, with sin, then what are we to do with our tendencies to sin? In other words, do we, do we have the attitude about sin, oh well, it's forgiven, or does it even matter if we sin, or should we try not to sin? And what if we do sin? What do we do about it? And so Paul is actually talking about these real issues that we have, that we contend with. And then the, over the next three chapters in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, Paul is describing to us what God has made possible for each and every one of us. A new life, a life free from sin, a life of righteousness that's generated by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, not willpower, not just our power, not just our desire to please God or to live a different life, but the power of God, the Spirit power in us that sets us free from sin and literally gives us the power to live a new life, a life of freedom. We can actually live a life of freedom and fullness in God. Hallelujah. So that's why uh, I'm excited about talking about this chapter today. And so the reign of righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus, which by the way leads to life, is meant to set us free from sin, which leads to death. That's the whole point of the next couple of chapters. Paul says, yes, now that we're saved by faith in God, and it wasn't anything that we did to earn it or deserve it, it's the grace of God, right? Now that we are saved, what do we do with sin? Do we just entertain sin? Do we just, it doesn't matter? No, no, no. Paul says, are you crazy? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, right? He says that in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. And so now that we are forgiven, now that we are reconciled with God, now that we have placed our faith in Jesus, now we would be crazy to go back into bondage to sin. It would be absurd for us to actually then participate in sin again when it's just going to destroy our lives and harm us. Now that we've been set free from sin, we don't want to return to it any longer. We want to learn how to live this new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to talk about. So let's read the first four verses of Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Paul says, by no means we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So Paul starts to talk about baptism. Now, baptism, water baptism is a big deal for us believers, right? That is a moment when we uh, make a public declaration and go through the, the rite of baptism to declare what? Our trust in Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And as part of the analogies of water baptism is we go under the water and it's like a watery grave. 
and we are leaving behind or we are dying to our old man, our old nature, the sin nature in us, the sinner in us. So we are going to be burying our sin and burying our, our old identity into a watery grave. We are identifying with the death of Jesus on the cross who paid um, his life because of our sin, right? And so our sin is with Jesus in his death. He took it upon himself. Just like a priest um, was instructed to put his hands on the head of the sacrificial lamb to impute um, upon that innocent lamb his sin and the sin of his people. And so he puts his hands on the, on the lamb or the bull or what, the goat, and he's imputing upon this innocent animal the sin of mankind, and then the animal is sacrificed, it's slaughtered, the blood is shed to pay for my sin, not his sin, not the lamb's sin, my sin. And so Jesus, the lamb of God, right, um, all the sin, all of my sin, your sin, and the sin of the world was imputed upon him, placed upon him. My old sinful nature and all of my sins were placed on him, and he was crucified. And blood was shed, so my old man was shed on that cross with Jesus. And baptism is a symbol of that spiritual reality. It's a physical you know, symbol of a very strong true spiritual reality that I am now dead to that old sinful nature. So we bury ourselves in that watery grave. And when we come up out, we are identifying now no longer with the death of Jesus. We just did that. Now we're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus, a brand new life, a new nature. We are born again. We have the power of God and the spirit of God within us. And now we are equipped and empowered to live a new life in and through Him. That's part of what water baptism is all about. And so um, when Paul says, we were therefore buried with Him, with Christ, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's what Paul is saying. That's what baptism is all about. And he's reminding his readers, don't you know when you were baptized, this is what happened? This wasn't just an empty religious symbol or something. This is what happened. Spiritually, you were born again. Spiritually, you were forgiven. Your sins were paid for. You are saying no to that. It's being cut off, just like the waters um, of the Red Sea cut off the Egyptian army. That was a baptism of sorts. As the people came through the water, they were leaving their past. They were leaving slavery to sin, right? Slavery. Uh, behind them, and their enemy was cut off. The enemy, the enemy army, actually was uh, destroyed by the waters of baptism, right? The Red Sea came crashing down on the Egyptian army, and the bodies of the, of the army, of the Egyptian army, was washed up on the shore, and they were dead. And the Israelites saw this, a, and a miracle of God, how their, their freedom was tangible right in front of them. The enemy was dead. They came through the waters, trusting in Jesus, trusting in God. And then those same waters destroyed their past, destroyed the power that held them captive forever. Do you see the analogy for you and for me? 
and they saw it and then they look and now they're on a different journey. They're going to the promised land. Now they can live a brand new life through the, through the guidance of God, through the Holy Spirit, the cloud, the fire, fire by uh, night and the cloud by day. They were to follow God, the Spirit. They were to be led by Him into the promised land, into a whole new life, a life not of uh, slavery uh, or destitute or poverty uh, or pain or heartache, but a, a, a place of promise, a life of fruitfulness, right? A life of identity in Him, of meaningfulness, of fruitfulness in a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's the same for you and for me. This is the new life that God has called us to live. Hallelujah. And so this is what Paul is talking about. So our identification with Christ's death was our death to sin. And our identification with Christ's resurrection is our identification with new life in Him. And so we are no longer identified by our sinful past. We are now new in Christ. We have a new identity. Our identity is Jesus. We belong to him. We were bought by him. Uh, we are his and we are becoming like him. We are no longer that sinful person anymore. So baptism declares identity with Christ and freedom from sin. Our Lord is Jesus. Our Lord is not sin. And we declare independence from sin and we embrace the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live a radically new life according to the kingdom of God. All right, so there's a couple of things I want to point out about baptism. Number one, baptism is both a witness of a believer's decision to repent from this sinful life and to trust in Jesus completely, right? That's what we're doing. We're repenting of our sin. We're repenting of living life on our terms. We're repenting of being under the, the, the rule and reign of sin. And, we're, uh, and we are saying no to that life uh, forever now. And so we're repenting and we're trusting our life to Jesus, right? But the second thing that happens is we are also um, receiving the power, the Holy Spirit. We're receiving the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to live a new life. Those two things are happening. We're repenting, trusting in Jesus, and receiving the Holy Spirit and the power of God to live this new life. Okay? So in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter is describing this process as well. A process of us, uh, it's kind of, you know, the process of conversion or salvation, uh, or us going through these steps spiritually and physically to turn our life over to God. And he puts it this way in Acts chapter 2, 38, 39. This is the conclusion really of his first, the first sermon um, on the day of Pentecost. And the people are like, what do we do? What do we do? You know, and Peter said, this is what you do. Repent. Repent. Turn, turn away from your sin. Change your mind. Change the way you've been living. Stop doing it on your terms, in your ways. Give that lifestyle up. Give your life to Jesus. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of this, the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And that's what we do. That's what you are called to do. That's what I'm called to do. Repent. Stop trusting in ourselves. Trust in Jesus. Give up your life of sin. Give up your, your self-identification 
your self-worth, your self-made uh, you know, ego and pride and self-control and give it to God. Repent and trust your life to Him and be baptized and die to that and come up to a new life and be filled. You'll receive the Holy Spirit to do it. Amen? That's what the, the gospel is all about. So the equipping for this new life is immediate and radical. God is rescuing you just like He did um, the Israelites out of Egypt. It is an immediate and radical transformation that God wants to begin in your life. And there's just a couple of points I want to make. Number one, you must renounce your life of sin. That's what repentance is. Renounce your life of sin. Decide to die to your old nature. Number two, you make allegiance to Jesus. You, you declare Jesus is Lord. He's in charge. You give him the power uh, of owning your entire life. That's, that's what you do. That's what I do. You completely surrender your life into his hands. Number three, your spirit is born again and you're given God's nature at that moment. And number four, now you receive the Holy Spirit and God himself empowers you to live this new life. Who Christ is, is now who we are. That's who you are. That's your new identity. And so I, I got this uh, uh, little chart here I wanted to show you. And we make an exchange when we get saved, right? And uh, the old me, my sinful nature right here, compared to the new me in Jesus, my sin, my sin is exchanged for his righteousness. My poverty for his riches. My ignorance for his wisdom. My rejection for his acceptance. My sickness for his health. My hurt for his wholeness. There is an exchange that takes place. And this is also not just physical, but by faith, we believe that these things are happening. This is what the Bible teaches us. I am no longer uh, myself anymore. I am who Jesus is. And so the old me was in bondage, but the new me is going to live in freedom. The old me is filled with shame, but the new me in Jesus is glory. The crown of glory has been restored to us. Our, life, our, our lives are going to begin to shine and reflect uh, the nature of God. The old me was, it was in weakness, but now the new me is in strength, God's strength. And the, the old me was death, but the new me is full of life. And so we see this exchange taking place, and in the scriptures, we see these things uh, time and time again of us uh, coming into the reality of who we already are. That we need to believe these things. We need to walk into these things. And we need, to, we need to act accordingly. That that's not who I am anymore. I died to that, right? And so that's what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 6. So let's read verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. So Paul's saying exactly what I've been saying uh, all, all along, is that we died to that now. So why? why? Why are we saying that? So that we would be free from sin. That doesn't belong to us anymore. That we would be changed. Transformation is critical to a, to a believer's experience because if it's authentic, if we truly uh, trust our life to God, if we truly repent of our sin, there's going to be radical transformation in our lives. 
We're not just doing some religious activity to get saved so we go to heaven and just keep living a life filled with sin. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. That doesn't change your life. You know, our lives are changed when we truly place our faith in Christ. We repent of our sin. We trust in Him. The Holy Spirit fills us. We're changed. We come alive. These things on that list I just showed you really happen. You know, this, this is real. This is the power of the gospel. Paul says, that's why I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Because it is the power of God to save everyone who believes. So let's be a believer. Let's believe what God has said about us, that we have made this a great exchange. All right? So the practical issue for each believer is whether we will live in the reality of these truths or not. A shift needs to take place in the depths of our soul. A shift identity. We actually need to believe that that old sinful person I once was is no longer who I am. It's dead. That person is dead. That old nature is dead. This new one, that's who I am. That's real. This is who I am. It's got to be something on the inside, the core of who you are, that you make that shift by faith and you begin to walk that out and live that out. Romans 6, 7, Paul says, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. If you've truly died to yourself, you really are free. You're free. Our old sinful nature died on the cross with Jesus, so we're dead to sin. And we're not responsive anymore to sin's allure. That is not our true nature any longer. This is a spiritual reality of our freedom. And we need to decide if we will live in this freedom or not. You need to decide if you will believe in what God is saying has happened in your life and then walk in it, live in it. So how do we walk in this new reality of freedom from sin? I'm just going to give us three simple uh, points, okay? Number one, Paul says this in Romans 6, 11, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So step one, count yourselves dead to sin. Count that word count means reckon. That means in your mind, decide and come to the conclusion you're dead to sin. It's, it's your mind. You have to engage your mind. And repentance actually means to change your mind. When Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is near, he's saying to the people, change your mind. Everything's different now. Change your thinking. The kingdom of God is here. Orientate yourself to God's ways. Don't do it that way anymore. Change your mind. That's not who you are. This is who you are. So repentance is a reckoning that I'm dead to sin. So Paul says, count yourselves, reckon yourselves dead to sin. Make your mind up. Change your mind. Realize that is no longer who you are. Right? We need to make a mental shift. My identity is no longer what everybody told, told me I was or what I told myself I was, or what my behaviors or my sin showed me that I was, that's no longer my identity. My identity is Christ. Paul puts it this way in Galatians later, I think it's uh, 2.20, he says, uh, for, it's no longer I who live. It's no longer ego who lives. It's no longer a Paul. Okay? I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I'm not living it as a Paul. I'm living it by faith in Jesus Christ who loves me and who gave his life for me. Do you see? That's your statement. That's your testimony. That's my testimony too. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I'm living right now, I'm living by faith in Jesus. 
I'm trusting in him. I'm following him. That's my new identity. I'm reckoning myself dead to the old nature. So we need to give up our sin. We need to change our mind. We need to choose righteousness. We need to choose freedom. Okay? Paul continues in Romans chapter 6, verse 12. And this is step two. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Now, this is a decision of the will to refuse to let sin win. Refuse to give yourself over to sin. Just refuse. You're like, ah, I've tried that before. I can't do that. Have you tried that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the new power, through your new life? Because that's how you can do it. You can't do it on your own. And our old nature couldn't do it, but that old nature is now dead. Now we have a new power. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And so through the Holy Spirit, Paul says, do not let sin reign in your bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Now the believer has the power of God to resist sin and to defeat sin. Before I was a believer, I couldn't do any... If you're not a, a Christian, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus... Everybody in the world who's lost, who hasn't surrendered to, to, to Christ yet, they can't help but sin. Sin is inevitable. It's automatic. They're going to do it. Even if they don't want to do it, they're going to sin. There's not enough power, human power, to not sin. That's just the bottom line. But when you become a Christian and you are born again and you're given a new nature, the Holy Spirit, now sin becomes um, uh, an option. Like you don't have to sin. If you're living filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're living in, in faith in God, in any moment that you're doing that, you are not sinning. In fact, your new nature is prone to righteousness now, not to sin. Sin becomes the exception where before sin was the rule. Now the rule is righteousness and sin becomes the exception. And I put it this way, when we are insane, <laughs> we sin. When we forget who we are, we sin. When we, when we buy the lie of Satan, we sin. Um, so believers can still sin, but we don't have to sin. Paul is saying, don't let sin win. Don't choose to sin. I choose to not allow sin to win in my life. I must decide to no longer put up with any sin, any hurt, any attitude, any thought, any belief that's contrary to Christ in me. I must refuse to give myself to sin. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the power to say no to sin. This is how um, it's written in Titus chapter 2. Listen to this, verse 11 and 12 and verse 14. For the grace of God, that's Jesus, has appeared that offers salvation or this new life to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to say no to worldly passions. And it teaches us how to live a self-controlled life how to live an upright life, how to live a godly life in this present age. Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. Not just some, not just most, but all. Jesus came to redeem us from all wickedness, all evil, and to purify for, for himself. Wash us clean, cleanse us, scrub us white as snow, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. This is what God is doing in your life. He is cleansing you, purifying you, washing you. He is training you to live a godly life, an upright life, a self-controlled life. He's training you and empowering you to say no to sin, 
to say no to these worldly passions, to put our eyes on Jesus, to focus on him, to live a new life in him. This is the Holy Spirit in us. This is the power of God in us. So it's possible to live a new life in him. Hallelujah. We don't just say, oh, I can't, I can't control myself. Yes, you can. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than that old sinful nature which we are now considering dead to. We are counting ourselves dead to that. And we are refusing to let sin reign. And then step three in Romans chapter 6, verse 13, Paul says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. So step three, offer yourself to God. So first of all, we are counting ourselves dead to sin. That's a reckoning of our mind. And then we're refusing to let sin reign. That's a decision of our will. And now we have the actions of the body, our mind, our will, our body. And our body says we are going to offer our body, the parts of our body, not to sin. We are going to give the parts of our body, our breath, our energy, our life, our hands, our body to righteousness. We're going to give it to God. We're offering our physical body and the actions in this body. We are going to dedicate that to righteousness, to serving God to seeking his kingdom first, right? The believer chooses to offer his life completely to God, to give ourselves to God and to his glory, to be a willing slave to God, a slave to righteousness, dedicated to serving him and pursuing godliness and righteousness and holiness. So the Bible says, don't give yourself to sin, give yourself to God. Do, do the things that God would have you do. Use the, the day, the breath, the time, the energy that God has given you. Steward those things by giving them back to God. This is our worship, how we live our life, what we do. As we follow the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, we do good works that promote eternal worth for the glory of God. This is who we are. This is who we are. And we need to Understand that this is not what we do because of a religion. We don't count ourselves dead to sin. We don't say no to sin. And we don't say yes to God because of a religion. We do it because this is who we are. I'm a son of God. You're a son or daughter of God. You're made in his image. We are made to be like him. We are made to live righteously. We are made to live godly, holy lives. We are made to do these things and then... Um, and then perpetuate life as we, as we live this way with God. We were meant to do these things. We were meant to live in fellowship with God. We were made to live a righteous life. We are made to love. We are called to serve and protect. That's the calling of God on every one of our lives, to serve and protect. We're called to multiply the glory of God on the earth. We're called to be fruitful and to spread God's image and likeness. In all that we do, we are to be made, we are made to be like Jesus. That's who we are. This is our true self, to be like Jesus in our attitudes, in our behaviors, in our character, to be like him. That's who we are. This is our identity. This isn't a religion to us. This is our nature. This is who we are, you know? 
So be who you are. Don't be something else. Don't be this sin, sinful person. That's not who you are. You are a son and a or a daughter of God. Amen. So Paul puts it this way in Romans 6.14. Sin shall not be your master. Sin shall not be your king or your ruler. Because you are not under law, but under grace. When we're under law, it's us. Us. Us trying to you know, perform under these religious rules, under law, and that leads to sin, and that sin leads to death. But when we're under grace, that means we are depending upon Jesus. So Jesus is the source of grace, and grace empowers righteousness, and righteousness leads to life. So we're no longer under law. We're no longer under our own power, but we belong to Jesus. We are under grace. Therefore, sin shall never rule over us again. We have a new king, and his name is Jesus. Jesus rules over us. At times, sin is like an outlaw who occasionally uh, can rule over us if we allow it to. But sin will never reign over us. Sin will never be our master again. Jesus is our king. He rules over us. He reigns over us. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Legally, you belong to God now through faith in Jesus. You do not belong to sin. Sin has no rights to you any longer. And so, Paul says in Romans 6.15, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? And he screams, By no means! Of course not! We were enslaved to sin, but now we are free. We don't have to sin any longer. We now have the freedom to choose. And we can choose righteousness that leads to life, or we can choose sin that leads to death and brokenness. So why would we sin? As I mentioned at the outset, now that we are free to not sin and to not experience death, we would be crazy to choose to return to a life of sin and go right back into that sin spiral of destruction and evil and brokenness and heartache and pain and toil and sweat and tears. We have a new Lord, Jesus. So we have a new life, righteousness in Him. We are not under the Lord of sin. We are under the Lord of grace, under Jesus. And He wants to produce a new life in you, a fullness a joy, a peace, a health, a richness in your life. Hallelujah. And so Romans uh, uh, or 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul is writing this in this letter too. And he says, And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Did you hear that? So that they should no longer live for themselves, but they should live for him who died for them, and who was, who was raised again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's who we are. From now on. And so the follower of Christ, um, the way of the follower of Christ leads from the slavery to sin to the slavery of righteousness. All right, so as I conclude this message, I want to challenge you to a pretty strong response. 
First and foremost, repent. I'm asking you to turn from your sin, to get real with God, to look at your life in any area of hurt, brokenness, attitude, thinking, sin, bondage, that has a part of your life that belongs to God. Repent. Turn it over to God. Get rid of it. You're made for freedom. You're made for righteousness. You're not a sinner. You are a saint. This is who you are. So cast off your sin. Go to God today at the conclusion of this talk and repent of anything that, that God puts on your heart that you see, that you notice, that you know of, that you're aware of. And change your mind. Give it up. Cast it away. And give that area over to God. Secondly, recommit your life to Jesus. I mean fully. Give your whole heart, your whole life to God. We are living in a crazy age right now. There is chaos everywhere and God is moving and he's calling his people to repent and to trust in him with their whole heart. And so repent and give your whole life to Jesus. Just surrender it all to him. Jesus says in Mark 8 35, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever tries to protect their own life will lose it. But whoever um, loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will find it. So Christ is saying, give your whole life to me and you will come alive. You will find life when you trust it into my hands. And finally, call on the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God. You need the presence of God. You need the Holy Spirit to live this new life. You need his power flowing in you to, to say no to sin, to be able to live a godly life, to be able to produce a righteous life that will lead to a full life for you and for me. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it with a religious attitude like, I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to do better. No, that's the whole idea of the law versus grace. We need the grace of God. We need the presence of God. We need the Holy Spirit. Call on the Holy Spirit to fill you. The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness. And so you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Repent, total surrender your life to Him and receive the Holy Spirit today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, or 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is what the Spirit is stirring in my heart for us. And I see it all around our nation starting to take off in different pockets of people of, of a heart for God Coming, coming up, bubbling out of our spirit, saying, God, we need you. We want to see our land healed. And there's a, there's a move of repentance, a move of humility, a move of worship, and a move of just humbling ourselves before God and surrendering to Him. So will you do that? Will you humble yourself? Will you seek God? Will you pray? Will you turn from your evil? Will you commit your life to Him? Let's do that together and believe for a strong move of God to come and not just touch our hearts and our lives, but to heal our land. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this uh, time on this earth right now that you have put us here for such a time as this. And God, the spirit within us, 
is witnessing that, Lord, you are doing a move. You're doing a move across this country, across this land, and we want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. So God, we repent, we turn from our sin. Lord, from any sin, any hurts, any unforgiveness, any bitterness, any thoughts, any opinions that are contrary to you, God, we just turn from those things right now. We cast our sin apart away from us. We, turn, we cast any addictions away from us. We, we ask, God, that you set us free completely and cut off our enemy, cut off the power of sin in our lives completely. We throw ourselves at your mercy, God. And we say, Lord, have mercy on us. Set us free. Let us be restored to freedom in you today as we repent and we, and, we, and we turn from our wickedness. We turn from our ways. And God, we completely entrust our life to you. Lord Jesus, we believe. We have faith in you. We put our life in you. Every area of our life, every area belongs to you. Our future, our present, um, every category of our life, every relationship in our life, all of our thoughts, all of our hearts, Lord, we, we just put, put it at your feet. And we say, Lord, here we are to offer ourselves to you. To offer ourselves, not to sin, not to a, a wasteful lifestyle, but we offer ourselves to you, to serve you, and to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And God, we ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, pour out a fresh, a fresh anointing upon us, a fresh spirit-filled experience in you that we are just renewed in the power of God to live this new life you made for us to, to live. Thank you, Jesus. You are the one and true King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And we worship you and we praise you. Do it, Lord. Do it in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I just want to close by giving you the blessing I always give you. And I just pray that this word just continues to stir in your heart and propels you to repentance, to full commitment to the Lord, and to a spirit-filled, spirit-powered lifestyle in Him, in Him. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in His name. Amen. God bless you.